Hello, Chris. How is your rainy Tuesday going? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> it's going. In progress? That's good. That's good. I'm currently uh, have three dogs cuddling around my feet, and one of them is licking the bottom of my leg. Uh, whereas Chris has no dogs around him, and now is laughing at me, because he's a jerk. Well, yeah, because they're wet. Chris, um, before we get started, uh, we're uh, so this one, this episode is focused on reviewing Call of the Nether Deep. Sorry, Critical Role, Call of the Nether Deep. Everyone keeps adding the Critical Role part in there, probably to get all those fans to buy the book. Um, there, there, there's a couple of new pieces of information. In fact, actually, one new thing just dropped like two hours ago before we were recording this. Um, Ooh, wow, were we like one of those YouTubers that like? supposedly gets the pre-copy reads the whole thing in like an hour and then does a 15 minute video where they say hey guess what we have i just got the free copy of the book no one's paying me to do this and i can barely tell you about anything because i don't want to spoil it for you i'm like then why the fuck are you making a video no we don't get anything free or ahead of time um which makes us impartial exactly and poorer (laughs) exactly well i don't think they like us because we don't really Say positive things all the time. Well, but we do. I mean, eventually, in twenty years, we'll be the the cream of the crop because everyone we'll else find will... everyone else and beat them. Everybody else will be dead because it's a whole bunch of white guys, old white guys. Wait a second, that's me. <laughs> Let's go back to the new news. All right, new news. Talk to me. Uh, the first one uh, that was just dropped two hours earlier before we started recording is Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel. Citadel. It is a citadel. Citadel. Journeys through the Radiant Citadel. Sorry, Journeys and Radiant Citadel are about 10, 20 point font bigger than through the. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think you're supposed to yell those words. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, so Journeys through the Radiant Citadel is a new anthology book slash setting. It takes place in a central city known as the Radiant Citadel. So I guess no sigil. Yeah. This I- is, I guess... Well, they were saying that they're going to release new settings for this year, so I guess this is one of the new settings that they're releasing? It's not really a new setting, it's the ethereal plane. Is that a new setting? Uh, for 5e, yes. I guess so, I guess that's true, because it's, I mean, the whole thing is, the new location is the ethereal plane, which exists, kinda? I don't know. Well, no, so, the ethereal plane, for those who don't know, it's, it's kind of like an alternate, alternate dimension from, like, the material plane, and it stretches... Uh, so it's it wraps around the material plane, the Shadowfell, the Feywild, and then it touches all of the elemental planes. Um, but it doesn't extend out into the outer planes, right? But and it's used as like a, a, a transitioning plane where you can go from the material plane onto the ethereal plane, walk across it for well, if it's uh, or blink into <laughs> first it. edition monster manual uh, <laughs> or sorry uh, manual of the planes, and you're looking at like nine thousand days mm-hmm. of walking. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's more like a month or two of walking through basically a void, and then you arrive at the next at whatever plane you're looking for through a uh, a curtain of color. So when you blink, you go to the ethereal plane, right? Correct. So it did technically exist, and then like you're just like crossing over the veil into like you know a five foot square right of the thing. Or are you traveling nine thousand miles to almost the other end of it? I've always wondered that. So. No, so so you're basically when you go into the ethereal plane, you just phase out of this reality and into the new reality or like the right. new dimension. And so it's like everything is just kind of 
uh, but where on that out. new dimension? Wait, what? Where on the? <laughs> it's a big dimension. Like no, no. The the dimension is everything else. It's just in between it. It's kind of like those artworks where like you rotate it from one side, you see one thing. You rotate it to the other side, and you can see the other image on it. Like they both exist at the same time on it, but they're just you have to view it from different angles. All right. Well, I'm glad they're going to give us a little more on it. I mean, yes. Five E went hardcore into the Feywild, which had was. I mean, Feywild. Uh, Feywild. Four <laughs> E had had mm-hmm. uh, a lot more to say about the about the Feywild, well, whereas if, 5e is like here's an adventure and we're not telling you anything more about it well yeah i mean the transition from the Feywild to being nothing in 1e to now being like a real place um i guess peaked at 4e and then well i i, I so the the anthology I'll, I'll just quickly go through it it is 13 standalone adventures mm-hmm. each adventure is uh basically one level that you go through. It's all written by people of color. Like, that's the big selling point is, um, like, all the writers are people of color. All the artists are people of color. Huh. It's... Is it like, just people of color, or is it also uh, uh, from... Well... See, different communities. Let me put it see, that way. Yeah, see, see. So, all the workers are people of color, but then it's still, you know, Wizards of the Coast, normal people. So... Uh, Jeremy Crawford, Mike Merles, all those people are still old white people that well, know, no, I mean, are in charge in, of it all. Does it include the LGB? The, uh, I don't the, know. I They haven't specified. I assume there's plenty of the LGBTQ plus oh, thank representation. You. I can't do the alphabet on that. And I know that sounds horrible. My daughter yells at me all the time. As um, she should. Well, you know, she's a, a proud. They um, did not specify that. So maybe we're at a point where they feel like they don't have to. Um, what they did specify okay. was this is all written by brown and black uh, people of color. Excellent. Uh, men, women, all that fun stuff. Oh, fun. Um all right, and so, my, my daughter might actually like look at this one then. Uh, and so, uh, basically, um, each adventure is tied to the Radiant Citadel in different ways, and uh, yeah, you just go out on different adventures. They've only shown off three adventures. No. Um, I've the first one they talked about did not excite me in the least because you have to uh, for level one, you have to find out. If someone is stealing produce from a from like a rival market stall, but the only way you can do that is by doing marketplace games to win the mm. trust of other people. Okay, and like they're selling it as Family Feud, but with food. And <laughs> oh, I'd be good at that one. I don't know. That doesn't excite hey. me. And 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 the issue, like the the writer, and like this is, I don't want to say it's an issue, but like what kind of just makes me roll my eyes a little bit is like the writer was talking about that um she wrote it not just to be performed at the table but for actual plays and live streams like that's Uh, that was one of her main focuses in like writing it and so like that's immediately just like all right yeah i i don't know i i I understand why because i mean it's very popular right now i mean it's a very it's a very dominant force uh online you know Mm -hmm. streaming your game that's just not for me. I don't watch any. Um, I'm not interested in it. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people are. So I guess it's a smart thing to do. It's just not my thing. I, I, yeah. I, well, I mean, I guess if it is actual plays that have driven 5e's popularity, you know, Critical mm-hmm. Role. Yep. Um, other actual plays. Like, uh, not another D&D podcast. There's Daddies and Dungeons. There's... Don't you listen to one? It's not D&D, though. <laughs> no, I listen to the Glass Cannon podcast. Right. Because uh, I have class. And... <laughs> A free plug for them that for the hundred people that listen to us. 
no, I, I, all the actual plays I listen to are Pathfinder One E actual plays. So yeah, <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later. So I guess my only question is, if each one's uh, a single level, they've got to be really short. I mean, well, I mean, it's like one chapter for each one, yeah. And and it might not be the full experience you need. Instead, it's probably milestone leveling. So then they could just mm. be like, yeah, uh, you only did one thing worth a hundred experience but uh you level up to level 20 i guess yeah i guess milestone makes sense for that i mean it's one of those things where i'm just thinking of the old modules that i've dug out all of them um that i have that uh you know it would be you'd have against the giants i just mm. actually pulled out that it's g123 and you get three levels so you get and it, they're, they're small mm-hmm. and man did they you know, back then the maps were, hey, here's a page of just little hexes in a 40-foot corridor, enters into an, a room. And the big excitement was when the room was more shaped like a rhombus. But, Ooh. you know, it was big. Man, you guys discover a new shape. I know, it was it was crazy. We were wild. Uh, but they were still a decent size. They were still 20 pages or so. And yeah. so I'm like, what well, adventure. Also, each hex for that was more like 10 or 15 feet per five hex yeah or, they, or, sorry per per hex not they yeah but they were also still it was funny because when you walk down a corridor though it was still five feet by five feet yeah, well don't get ahead of yourself chris <laughs> it was so stupid anyways we'll have a conversation about 1e one day maybe that'll be the next podcast yeah and so the the thing that that kind of strikes me about this is if they're counting this as them releasing a new setting for this year because they're talking about doing two or three right uh new settings um never been uh previewed in dungeons and dragons fifth edition um so maybe maybe why isn't it spell jammer <laughs> maybe i'll get planescape spell jammer one day probably not um this this means that I actually don't get that much information about the Radiant Citadel. Instead, uh, I, there's so much of it is taken over for a bunch of adventures that you're really not getting that much stuff to run the Radiant Citadel. So as the DM, it is once again upon you to take a sparse little bit of information and try and flesh out the rest of the city. Like, the, there isn't a a guide to the city it's more like yeah here's a uh three-leaf pamphlet uh on what the city is and uh yeah you have fun making up everything else so that's <sighs> baldur's gate did you like that because the city was baldur's gate Desc- well the issue is with baldur's gate to send to avernus is they put it in baldur's gate so that they could get all the fans who love baldur's gate yeah. excited to buy it and then had about, what, 50 pages of text in the back about Baldur's Gate, except you don't spend more than two or three levels in Baldur's Gate, and then you're in Avernus. And then what information do they have Avernus? Nothing. Even though you're supposed to be spending seven, cars. eight levels in Avernus. You get cars. You get cars, and that's about it. It's it's frustrating. And the fact that you're probably going to TPK in Baldur's Gate to send to a furnish <laughs> when you're yeah. like level 2 because they decided that an enemy should have fireball and just destroy the entire party. I, I we we talked about descent to Avernus um before the hiatus and you know like we were fairly kind to it. I know like I had a lot of issues but at the end of it I still said like hey, you probably pick it up. That was mostly selfish reasons cuz I wanted more planescape stuff. Right. 
Um, I feel like as I've gotten older over the past two years, uh, angrier perhaps. How old are you now? I would thirty. Wait, uh, wait, say that louder. <laughs> I'm not going to. I I can't like looking back. Like yes, I st- I still think Descent to Avernus is a pretty good adventure, but only if you get it on sale. Um, yeah. And I think and I don't know. Like I'm getting tired of these. Here's a settings book. Oh, sorry. Most of it's just an adventure that yeah might no, not no. be good. And I understand that the adventure is to get people interested in it. And although it's a good segue into what we're going to talk about uh, today, uh, my only issue with uh, Descent and we're going down the rabbit hole again was that, you know, it was a blatant plug for the new video game. I oh, mean, yeah. it really was. I thought it was genius to do that. I also thought it was, you know, the blatant part of it made it made me a little like, yeah, it feels kind of yucky. They could have said but... it in anywhere and it would have been fine. And yeah. also, like, this isn't a review of Descent into Avernus. Uh, there's very, very little character motivation. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways. But, so so well, that's, that's the exciting new journey through the Radiant Citadel. Which will be interesting because we can tie that into Call of the Night yes. and see how you felt about the city. So what's oh, this exciting news oh, that you're sorry. holding back? The Radiant Citadel is Ooh. set to release to do... I don't remember when. Uh, uh, June 21st. Hey, you found it. Yep. Very good. Hey, I contributed something. Also, the alternate cover art looks looks pretty cool for it, and the regular cover art looks pretty cool for it. Flying kitty cat. <laughs> um, there, I, I feel like I've done all the reviewing for it. All right, so you had a piece of news that you wouldn't share with me that you wanted to be surprised for me, which I don't think is going to be a surprise for many people, but tell me. Uh, I think you'll be surprised, Chris. Okay. I'm giddy with anticipation. All right, so the new... It's not actually... It's kind of D&D. It's kind of not. I don't know. But there's a supposed to be a new Dungeons & Dragons skirmish war game. Mm. Uh, and so it's it's kind of like Warhammer kind of mass war combat? game things. Yeah, it's like mass combat type stuff. It's produced by WizKids Wiz because, of course, they want to sell more miniatures. Right. Um, and so, you know, we have that to look forward to. Uh, there isn't really a huge amount of information for it, but it's supposed to release sometime in the third quarter of this year. Well, I'll be fascinated to see if it uh, stacks up against the mass combat that you created. Uh, which that, did that ever go on Dumpstack? Because yeah, we, yeah, the mass combat's somewhere on our, our website. I can link I to it. it. It'll be. Uh, I'll be curious to see how much they stole from you because they probably should have. We when we basically beta tested it, it was a lot of fun. Um, so it cool. I'm interested to see yeah. how it goes. Uh, totally. That harkens back to OD and D, where it had its roots in yeah, war yeah, game mail. Yeah. So. That'll be cool to see, you know, being old and decrepit, as you like to tell me, uh, how... I'm not old and decrepit. I am. Oh, I'm glad you admit it. Jackass. Uh, how that harkens back to the older days uh, that hopefully they give you a little more information on how to do it versus, hey, roll a bunch of D6s. You have henchmen. They're dead. Oh, don't forget to pay them. And morale checks, which I do miss morale checks. Or if you're a ranger, you can never get your henchmen back. No shit. Horrible. <laughs> Yeah, more information is supposed to be released next month, so you know, when that happens, well, might be the ne- time for our next podcast episode, and so we can talk a little bit more about it. Yay. Call of the Netherdeep. Uh, critical Role Call of the Netherdeep. You Sorry. gotta say the Critical Role part. That's yeah. part of the title. It is, it is actually. It really is. I think the first thing we have to talk about is what everyone's gonna see first. The cover, and also the lack of an alternate cover for this book. Which was interesting. Yeah, 
man, I guess they didn't like Critical Role that much. I don't know. I won't read into not having an alternate color. Probably cover. Probably the big thing is just shipping and yeah. uh, global shipment type stuff is all being wonky. At least that's the my opinion. I'm going with. I'll say one thing about the cover. It does strike me as a little odd uh, that the five people featured around the arc that's around the main figure of the story are your rivals, which we'll get uh, sorry, into. Sorry, the main ro- characters of this adventure, Chris. Yeah, which yeah, which we'll get into a, a minute. I'm sure you have lots of opinions on that. And I know uh, after I read the book, I watched a lot of the reviews, and lots of people had feelings on that. Strong feelings. There are a lot of feelings. Did you know this is an epic Critical Role campaign? What about this is Critical Role again? Just yeah. that it takes place in Alexandria? Well, see... It's fascinating to me because they talk about introducing a new, you know, putting in the ethereal plane is their new campaign setting. Well, technically, they have already. There's another one other than Forgotten Realms. Well, no, Exandria's. Exandria. uh, Well, they they had the Tal'Dori campaign setting or whatever it's called last year. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I'm just saying that there Um, already is. So basically, we do have two campaign settings for 5e. It's well, we got Forgotten Realms, Forgotten Realms. Uh, uh, no. I don't know if they count guess, Feywild as its own campaign. No, setting. they haven't made a book for it, so well, I guess Eberron. I, I, I'll oh, give you. Strixhaven. Uh, you got Theros. You got Ravnica. You got Does, um, yeah, but Ravnica doesn't have a setting. It has a title and a book. Yeah, I mean, that's the setting. Yeah, I know, but really, what what do you find out about it? Hey, it's a different place. Uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight, kind of. I don't know. No, please don't. Uh, I'll come up with one more. I know, I I know. There's one more. So let's say book. Let's say campaign settings that have more than one book. And Exandria got basically its own book. I mean, they dive deep into the into that one. Yeah, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mountain. That was it. Yep. They and they do a good job diving. Acquisitions Incorporated. There, I found it. Jeez. Uh. So anyway, so cover. Yeah, strange. Uh, where you want to start? Uh, well, I want to start with the cover because um, this is an awful cover. Really? I hate it. Because to me, if I was a player and I saw this, I'd be like, oh, those are the main characters. Yeah. Or maybe I would also think, those are the villains I get to kill. <laughs> also, Shaggy is on the right-hand side. I do like that. <laughs> I do like that. I just wish Scooby was in the center. Uh, um, and then also I saw there's a lot of speculation that the woman on the left, and we'll we'll have a picture of the cover up in the show notes um everyone was thinking that had something to do with jester and ford because obviously it says critical role everywhere it has to be about them no there's Mm -mm. nothing about critical role or any other two campaigns in this they're just using that because no one knows the word exandria or wild mount or taldori or anything like that they know critical role though so right i i watched half the first season again i don't i do do not enjoy watching actual play and that is obviously critical role for most people is the top of the food chain. It's just not for me. Uh, and the four hours is very long. Yeah, there a lot. Yeah, there's uh, especially when I'm sitting at your table and you're trying to kill me for four hours. That's nah, fine. My my biggest issue with this is the the book and is it's not that you can there's you can walk into this book and know nothing about the setting. Yeah, and still lay it yeah. but there's a lot of easter eggs for the people that are like lore fanatics about you know the critical role campaign setting that are gonna like 
be all giddy and know all this crap. And I'm just like, eh, okay, I... I wouldn't want to play at a table where someone was just always peppering me with this stuff like, why don't you know? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I just enjoy it because you can drop in and be like, cool. Yeah. And like for each chapter where they take you to a new location, they do provide, Mm -hmm. you know, 10, 20 pages that I could skip of just campaign (laughs) setting information. But that's great because they, and you know, we've talked about this a million times. I like lore. Yeah. And so I guess I, I, let me rephrase my earlier statement then. I like the book because they provide that information, but I guess there's a lot of things that they don't include that I think the Critical Role uh, fanatics are going to get either A, mad about, or when they find that little minutiae in there, are you going to really kind of drive it home with people? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't I don't want that. Hey, they gave me a, enough information that, great, I can read this and be like, hey, this is pretty cool, or eh, I don't like that so much. Yeah, and I'm coming from this. I've seen Campaign 1 of Critical Role. I watched like 10% of Campaign 2 because the wife was watching it, and I would just look up sometimes, see that they're uh, talking for about 30 minutes about the same topic that uh. they were talking about an hour ago. And then uh, I think the wife has been watching Campaign 3, which I saw like two seconds worth. And I went back to whatever it is that I do. Did they spend an hour naming the pirate ship that they got like we did in our campaign? Well, that's on you. And then came up with the stupidest name known to mankind. (laughs) The Swift Wind is not the stupidest. They could have gone worse. They could have called it Bikini Bottom. Fair enough. So I don't know a huge amount about Critical Role, but from what I can see, a lot of people are unsure as to when this adventure is actually supposed to take place in like the, like, you know, Campaign 1, Campaign 2, Campaign 3. Like, when does it kind of take place? Because they want to, like, include other characters, but as far as I can tell, there isn't really any information no, like that in there. it's a drop-in. You're no. just put into the into the world. They, why does it have to tie into the adventure? Because they want Ford to be there. Uh, well, or Jester. Tough or, shit. Uh, Vex, Vaxel. Or the fresh cut grass who is in campaign through. I don't know. Don't ask me, Chris. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and um, well, I guess we'll open up the cover and dive into da, da, da. the adventure. So the adventure is so the book itself is uh, about two hundred and twenty-three, two hundred and twenty-four pages. Um, you have about seven page or seven seven pages seven chapters devoted to the adventure um which is about the first 200 uh sorry 190 ish pages are the adventure Mm -hmm. and then the last 40 pages are all for creatures magic items and some uh ancillary things for right which i had mentioned i didn't read i finally i kind of zipped through it last night i apologize because I got to one of the creatures and I was like, oh, hell no. But we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like the the like the widest view of this adventure is you start out in a small like port city of Jigao. And then you go, uh, you find a MacGuffin. You or the rivals take that MacGuffin to a city called Bazozan, mm-hmm. where apparently demons... We're trying to go there, but you only fight gibbering mouthers there because they're not demons. I don't know. Uh, from from there, a, another MacGuffin happens where someone teleports you off towards Marrakech, off in the desert, which is about two, 3,000 miles away or something like that. 
You then have to join a faction. You go under the city to Do a place called... Do you have to join the faction, though? You don't... You kind of have to, but you kind of don't. Right. We'll, we'll get we'll into that. We'll get into that. You go into what's known as the Drowned City below mm-hmm. Marrakech called uh, Cal Moro. Moro, I think. There's a pronunciation guide, which is very handy. Which is one of those things that I was just like, maybe people do listen to us, and they're like, please stop butchering words. Yeah, let me find find that pronunciation guide whenever I have to flip back Uh, to it multiple times. There we are. Uh, How do I pronounce Cal Moro? Kale Moro. Yeah. Kale Moro. Mm -hmm. That's, okay. Uh, Which is actually not technically its real name. Um, no one else knows its name, and so they just called it that because it means, like, grief or awfulness or something. Sunken ruin of an ancient city yeah. beneath uh, another word I can't pronounce, and I'm not going to bother looking at it. Yeah. So, cool. Continue. Yep. Uh, and so, from there, and, like, during this entire time, um, you're getting visions of having to help some sort of ancient lost hero. And it it leads you down below Ankarel into a place known as the Netherdeep, which... No, like again, harking back to the cover. Why can't we have something about the Nether Deep on the cover? Right now, it's just five jackasses that I don't care about. Uh, when we could have had like a really cool cover of what is the Nether Deep and like really excite the minds of DMs and get them excited to buy this. Because right now, it's like, well, there's okay, that's not that exciting. Because one A selling point for this is critical role. Critical role. One yeah. B is look at our new quote unquote system rivals yeah uh and so then you get into the nether deep you have to fight your way through you have to find fragments of sorrow and sadness um before you can finally face this ancient tragic hero and then use emotions to free him or you kill him or you unleash him and then you get the bad ending we'll get to that and that is the adventure Okay. All right, we're done. No. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll just rewind everything and start back at the beginning. Yeah. Um, chapter one has two parts. One is focused on a bunch of mini games, and one on doing a quick dungeon dive, quite literally, into a subterranean tunnel slash the ocean. Well, go all the way back to the village oh. where they have to do the games. Yeah, Jigal. Yeah, that's chapter one. I I get. It plays into the role-playing aspect that 5e enjoys to do a lot of stuff with. My biggest issue with this is all you're doing is freaking rolling dice. There's even riddles. You don't have to solve the riddles. You're making, what, wisdom checks, I think? Yeah, it's, something like that. That's freaking ridiculous. There's so much of an opportunity here to make this such an interesting thing. Man, all you're doing is rolling dice. I guess if you like to roll dice, cool. Well, uh, I... I was disappointed. People love rolling dice, Chris. But also, it's like, I how know, are you also, how, how else are you going to, like, I mean, well, for riddles, yeah, you could have the players come up with it. But also, I would say, like, a player doesn't have to be as smart as their character to play a very, very smart character. Oh, and no so, shit. That's what I'm doing so, right now. <laughs> you know, uh, ability checks and stuff are, how does the character know things? It's, it's not super reliant on players. So I'm, I, I just. I mean, I would always like it if players figured it out just for just for fun, but I have no problem letting them roll dice to get hints and solve the puzzles. Just felt boring to start off with. Didn't yeah. I mean it's it's a it's fodder to introduce rivals. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting way of doing it. Yeah, because like what you said, it's a fodder way. Blah, 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 blah. It's a fodder <laughs> way to introduce the rivals is that every time you take part in one of these games there is a rival that you can either beat or be beaten by and then they 
you know it's always something nice though it's always like yeah uh, if you beat them they're just like you're real good at this and if they beat you they're like you're real good at this it's and it's it's uh it doesn't seem fair it's like five on one every time <laughs> well it's it's only like one or two rivals per yeah. each mini game um and then like it seemed like you can do these everyone at the table gets a chance to do the mini game so right. that they get the shiny magic item at the end of it i mean uh i say magic item it's a one-time yeah. consumable that is kind of minor in its power which is i mean it's fine but your third level and all you do is get your starting equipment and i mean i was <laughs> i don't have a problem uh but i was looking at the oh, loot for this and God. the loot is incredibly sparse it's like by the time you're level five you find a 57 uh silver pieces a ring worth 250 gold which you're supposed to give to someone else a plus one <laughs> dagger that you're supposed to give back to a trifle owners a bunch of one-time use magical items that you got at third level and uh you don't have enough money to buy rations <laughs> To even make it to Bazozan, the next yeah. place from Jagao. Who keeps track of it? <laughs> really? It's just like, wow, you guys are... I <laughs> thought sometimes Cong- I was being stingy. <laughs> Congratulations for winning. Here's a medal. Yeah. But that's for two levels, and it's just like, wow, mm. that that sucks. But, yeah. Look, 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 before we go into... What is your opinion on starting at level three? I like it. It's fine, because, uh, let's face it, level one and two suck. Yeah. Um, And really, we started at all class... And- <laughs> The issue at starting at, at level one is that you could play a fighter, but you're a dumbass. Even if you want to play like a battle master or a samurai or a cavalier, it's like, no, you're just a dude with a stick. Right. Whereas it, It's unbalanced. Yeah. Whereas someone like a cleric, they have all of their subclass features because mm-hmm. they get at level one. And so what should have happened was that everyone gets their subclass features at the same level. Yep. Which should have been level one or yeah. level two. if you. But I like it should have been level one. Um, and we should have made level one a more interesting starting point because right now it's incredibly boring starting at level one. And so I don't like running one shots below, you know, mm-hmm. three because, well, it's just boring for those who don't get their subclass feed. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, it's it's meh. I mean, it really is. So there, there's not much excitement. It's just sort of like you could almost make the first two levels some sort of twist on a session zero almost you know where you're just basically introducing characters each character could have a little piece and tell a little bit about himself and how they you know they do their own little thing and oh now i'm bumped into this person it's kind of useless so i liked it starting at three yeah and also it's like if you want to start level one um it was saying that in the guy to wild mm-hmm. mount you can run their level one to yeah. adventure thing um so okay. there 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 is that if you want to buy another all right so yep you so you play some games you meet your rivals uh yeah and then great. it's your rivals and you fight to the race to the death mm-hmm. so first actual map you get on this like that's the real that's the is that the, the well, biggest thing about map. because you get a map of jagal and mm-hmm. now you have a map of the emerald grotto where you have to basically race your rivals into a subterranean place. You get to hold your breath the entire time um, and uh, deal with a couple of octopi, um, some swarms of something, and fight a sh- giant shark at the end of it all while Great. underwater. 
Yeah, that never works out really well. Uh, but yeah, so you, it's basically just a skill challenge where each time you get into a new area, you roll some dice. Depending on how you did on the the roll, you either um, uh, you either get one or like two or three points. And the goal is to have the fewest number of points at the end of this, so that you can beat your rivals to the very ends. Um, it's golf. Yeah, it's, it's golf. And you're supposed to get some sort of medallion from a giant shark, which is a weird way of finding the MacGuffin. Because the way you find the MacGuffin is when you kill the shark and you get the the thing at the end of the race. Yeah, what's that called? During its remember. death rows, it like smashes into a wall and you find the MacGuffin that way. And I was reading that and I was like, I don't feel like every table I have would immediately just go to murdering the shark. They would be like, oh, so we need to like tackle the shark, maybe grapple it, and then I can pull off the necklace and then we'll swim out. It's like, we don't need to kill the giant shark. And it's like, <laughs> I was already getting like palpitations from that. Just like, oh, God. Uh, we would. <laughs> yes, yes, you would. But that's that's because you are playing a combat focused game. Yeah, but hey, I tried the last two adventures to do something interesting that didn't involve killing the thing. It, maybe not when the boss is there. It turned out poorly. I... <sighs> Yeah, okay. That, yep. Yeah. Okay. Then they find, uh, so when the shark dies thrashing into the wall, it crumbles down. And so the rivals are also there at this time. And so when you go in there, there's like the, there is a, the MacGuffin, which is, God, I can't remember what it's called. The Jewel of Three Prayers, because yes. the guy who <laughs> wore it prayed three times to three different. I'm sure that went over well. Uh, well, apparently it did until well, it didn't. You know, in the Bible, if you do that, uh, yeah, God was just like, I'm going to smite you. You're dead. I'm turning a city into salt. Okay, you're a pillar of salt. I'm going to rain down fire and brimstone on your city. So, well, which brings us to the driving force of this adventure, which is you want to go and rescue an individual known as Elixian. His name has been like lost to thousands of years um he was it was what was it like six thousand seven thousand years mm-hmm. ago he strode about the land um helping the gods fight back demons and betrayer gods which you get a little bit of background in, in the very beginning in mm-hmm. chapter one which they kind of tell the story of like the gods and what was going on and how he was the yeah. hero and then how he got fucked over <laughs> and so so we have you have to kill the shark first yep and now if your players are like hesitant about touching this ancient artifact then your rivals are just like fuck it i'll grab it and so they grab it and they get the vision and are given the quest to take on uh to to go rescue elixian and it's just like <laughs> it's kind of funny because the book is like now if your players don't get it then you should like stress to them that maybe they should steal it right and or you know become their companions and support their rivals in yeah. finishing out the quest so uh, two things on that first why not just let the rivals fight the shark and hope that it eats them and then be like cool we don't have to worry about rivals anymore and then b this is the first part of the book where i started to feel and this carried over and it kind of got my feelings got a little stronger the book just railroads you into doing what you have to oh, do. oh yeah this is a great railroad <laughs> yeah it, it's just you know there's you i know there's going to be people that are ex- upset about it that love critical role and be like i want to explore more of like they want an open world adventure mm-hmm. it's not it's like, oh, if well, you go off the beaten path, it's just this, you know, it could I, be a blank void. I mean, and part of it is just like, you know, it's a book. Like, they can't account for everything. Right. They, 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 they have a very set 
story they have to run. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to the GM to make it not seem like a railroad. And but it it it, it is. Yeah, that I mean, that's okay. But I mean, like that that's going to happen with any adventure book. It, yep. It's always going to be a railroad. It's just how much do you notice? Like in Storm King's Thunder, spoilers <laughs> for this. It is so much a railroad that when you find a MacGuffin. An airship shows out of nowhere and will take you to one spot on the map that you have to go to next. And they refuse to go anywhere else. Yes. And it's just like, the fuck are they doing in this adventure? Yeah, no, it's it's sort of like you're on a, a one-stop train to this place and fuck you if you don't like it. Oh, I'll crash the airship if you don't. Now, that's a little extreme and they don't actually do that. But I'm just thinking to myself, that's what would happen. Yeah, um, it's, it's, and that doesn't happen just that one time in the adventure. It happens multiple time. times. So, I, I guess we'll admit that the, this book is you have to follow a set path. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking to myself that, yeah, there's going to be some of these hardcore critical role players that are going to be a little upset about that because they're going to want to kind of wander around to see some other yeah. stuff. And, well, you, and also, you can't. Like, even NPCs aren't really that no. fleshed out. The only ones that are fleshed out are going to be your rivals, rivals. and Elixian at the very yep. end. Of Everyone else, it's like maybe a couple of sentences, if that, which is, I mean, from what I've seen of critical role, like, I don't really feel like if you're going to try and emulate or or you know try to have like those like touching moments like that's going to require a lot of work from the the gm to like come up with motivations for every npc and all that i mean if you're going to do the book would be 400 pages long if you wanted to do that plus i mean you're going to have gms are going to be stressed out enough having to make up funny voices for all of them to uh you know Mm. blend into the world and you know what not everybody's matt mercer he gets paid to do voices people don't stress out about it if you pay me i'll do voices (laughs) yeah i i don't pay you and i don't want you to do the voices (laughs) and so yeah so now now we have the rivals now we have the main like we have the catalyst of the adventure and we have the adventuring group depending on how things mix out you might be friendly with your rivals which it goes through like every chapter where you meet your rivals there's Uh like how do the rivals react to you if you're friendly, indifferent, or hostile towards you? And I was like, you know, by the second time my party meets these rivals, I don't think I'm going to need this information in the book. Because their murder hoe wasn't going to kill them. <laughs> They're just going to be dead rivals. Yep. Uh, so you, there is chapter two. You have travel. Yeah, yeah. You're on a heroic quest, which is random encounters. Yeah, but I mean, cool. I haven't really seen that before. It's something they're incorporating in in depth. Yes, you do it in other places, but like you were just talking about, you get in an airship and it goes one place. Yeah. So there is some... Well, excuse you, Storm King's Thunder, chapter three is only locations around the map that you might travel to until the DM allows you to I, play this story. I hear what you're saying, but they dive into... this is, And here's the thing that yeah. I did enjoy about the book. Hey, we focus on... You have to travel. You have there's things you have to incorporate, and then which we'll obviously get into in a in a little bit. Underwater combat. They took some of the neglected pieces of D and D at the five E and kind of tried to incorporate them into the book. I appreciate that. I appreciate what they're doing because underwater combat gets what two paragraphs in the TMG. Uh, it's like five bullet points. Good job. Good I've, job trying to put it in. I've uh, converted a Paizo adventure path ruins of aslan to 5e for uh, my thursday group mm-hmm. and uh that's that's a lot of underwater combat yeah yeah so i've been using those rules a lot you keep trying to drown us too i thought They're it was very cute yeah i thought it was interesting i mean it in a way goes back to some of the older uh it, you know the older editions uh just because 
there was, you had to walk to go to places and there were a zillion charts for random encounters, Mm -hmm. which, you know, you did. And, you know, you had to keep track of your fucking rations. (laughs) Well, it it kind of amuses me is that they have uh, about a paragraph that basically says, see the rules for travel pace in the player's handbook. When during that same amount of time, they could have reprinted the rules for travel pace from the player's handbook in here because it's literally like a paragraph, if that, and there's like a little chart. Yeah. There, there, the the exploration in 5e is incredibly lacking, and um, it basically just boils down to random encounters, which they do provide. They provide eight different random encounters, and what do you know if you go a slow pace, you get all eight random encounters. Yippee. Which don't really feel that random at that point. Nope. Yeah. I, I like that they're doing it. I think they could have done more with it. I mean, yeah. it, you know. Ooh, <laughs> tables and charts. Like, Well, it's also like... If you run this adventure and then you run it again, you're probably getting the same encounters again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that doesn't really feel that random. It's just preset. It's just the only random part is when do you actually get to this encounter during your travels? Well, There's you, no question you're going to encounter them. It's just when. Yeah. Well, you know, shameless plug. You could always go to uh, the Dumpstat website and look at some of the things you've written about traveling and making travel exciting. You which. See, I'm already thinking about a third way of doing travel. I know, I know you are, but you've done a lot of work on that, which I wish there was more in this that kind of thought about some of these things. But at the end of the day, good for them for putting it in. That That's my opinion. So, yay, you, you're in a caravan and you're... Trudging along, singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall till something comes out and tries to kill you, and then you, yay. Yeah, Uh, 15 days later, or maybe 9 days later, depending on how fast you travel, you arrive at Bazozan. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I'd say about travel is I think... They needed, like, something to push them forward for traveling. When when you're... This is getting off topic, uh, but, like, I feel like with exploration-type stuff, either you hand-wave it, if it's not that big of a deal as to right. when they get there, or there's a countdown, and there's a reason why they want to move faster, reason that they want to move forward. In which case, yes, you then focus on it. This adventure doesn't really give you a reason why you should focus on traveling. It's not that exciting. You could just have your rivals chasing them, and you could get yeah, there Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, part of it is, like, you, if your rivals took the, the MacGuffin, sorry, the Jewel of Three Prayers, I mean, I'm calling it mcguffin from now on just call it the jewel <laughs> um if you're if your rivals get it then yeah you might be like i want to steal it back and so in which case yes you would chase them down and try and take it from them um which is you know like it, that, that's one way of doing it yeah. though i've already seen several uh people talking online it's like i'm not sure how to get like they've already like because it's been a week since it's been out and so they've already done it and yeah uh the rivals uh took the jewel and my players aren't interested in taking back the jewel i don't know what to do (laughs) and then someone else is like yeah i was real worried about that uh i'm gonna be running it in like a couple of days and uh my party's really nice i'm actually worried that if they get the jewel first they'll just give it to them (laughs) (laughs) oh boy (laughs) Yeah, no. Oh, wow, I can't even. <laughs> I'll just leave that alone. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's fun. But anyway, so yeah, we arrive at Bazozan, which is a uh, maybe the worst place to put a city. <laughs> I didn't really think about that, but okay. Uh, it's basically a city 
Um, though it has fortress-like walls on the outside when it mm-hmm. should have them on the inside, in my opinion. Uh, but basically, they're here to protect a... I don't know if it's like a rift or like a hole in the multiverse, but like yeah. demons pour out of there. I think at one point they'd say it's a rift, but okay. I don't remember. Yeah, it's like it's like a minor rift where demons sometimes pop out and run about the streets, <laughs> killing everyone because the fortress walls are on the wrong spot in the city. And they should be around the rift, not around the city. Okay, I get what you're saying now. I mean, <laughs> when you think about it, it's like, yeah, we uh, we built the city with the fortress walls on the outside so that when the demons kill us all, they have a nice fortress that keeps them safe. Don't don't these people have anybody that can close the rift? I Apparently not. Well, but shame on them. I, I don't know a huge amount about Bazozan, so maybe I'm just... Yeah. Maybe the rift is everywhere, and so normally they attack from the outside, but it seems like like the way that the story is presented, mm-hmm. there's a lot of demon attacks inside the walls. Yeah, you'd think they might figure that out. But, hey, what do I know? I mean, that could be a piece of critical uh, role kind of lore and stuff that we don't know. Yeah. But anyways. But yeah, so as soon as they arrive, a demon invasion happens. Of course. And by that, we mean five gibbering mouthers. Are they demons? No, they're aberrations. Yeah, that's right. We just wrote a deep dive on them. That's true. <laughs> they aren't demons. Well, I don't get it. Um, I want to fight demons. <laughs> if you tell me there's a demon invasion and I see a gibbering mouther, I will walk into that gibbering mouther and let it kill me because that's not a demon. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I guess. I mean, it's not like there's a... a lack of demons that they could fight also you're level five there's five of you and you have a cr5 guard to help you along with uh two cr18 to help you fight five cr2 gibbering like how is that a challenge well that's and that's my issue with one of my issues with this book along with and i've said this before the combats yes just being critical of the of how they built the creatures in 5e. It's too simple. I mean, if you look at how you're supposed to, you know, build a, you know, an encounter, the players are going to win every freaking time unless you roll like me. Uh, it's my biggest issue is armor class. Yay, giving them a lot more hit points. You get the, it's built so that players can feel good about themselves when they hit things more, it just takes longer. Yeah. Versus there is a lack of, having to figure out a way to hit them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think it would be... I think that's... Anyways. Well, you don't that, have to worry about tactics. And right. it's just... You're just hitting big sacks of hit points. Well, I wrote a lot about tactics, which obviously are useless because you just can run up and kill shit. Yeah. So... But... So you can also choose not to attack the gibbering mouthers and run away to the infirmary because you're like, those aren't demons. I'm not... I only fight demons. <laughs> and so if you do that, your rivals <laughs> who also show up at the same time as you... Are like, yeah, we'll we'll fight, we'll stay and fight the gibbering mouthers. And I was promised demons, <laughs> and somehow, so I don't I don't mean to. So if you don't help out the rivals fighting the gibbering mouthers, then there is a consequence towards for your rivals that you as players um, that you wouldn't get if you had stayed to help. Mm-hmm. And that consequence is their leader, Ao, I, I think is how you pronounce it. She gets a mortal wound from a CR2 gibbering mouther when she's a CR5 monster stat right. block, basically. And it's like the their rivals almost die against these gibbering mouthers. And they turn like bitter and sour towards the party because they didn't help them fight the gibbering mouthers. But at the same time, that means there are six 
CR5 heroes, basically, fighting the five CR2 monsters. And it's just, how how does that make any type of sense? Oh, I'm trying to, let me look at something here real quick. Okay, you look up uh, something. Maybe they're all, uh, I don't know, they all have, oh boy, it's kind of hard to, uh, they are all going to fail their DC 10 wisdom saving throws? That's a real hard DC, Chris. Uh, I got like a 50-50 shot. They get Actually, no, it's 55-45. They get spit on a lot? I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously right now, I'm looking through uh, the deep dive we did a couple weeks ago, and I'm trying to figure out, well, maybe, um, yeah, they're, it's, I don't know, maybe they thought it was, they thought it was 3E or 4E stat block that they Ow. were working from, because <laughs> there's a lot more damage, uh, there's, and, there's a lot more to be worried about in those additions. Well, and that's a problem kind of, I noticed throughout it, it's just like, the combat's not dangerous. Right. The combat's mm-hmm. just there to make you feel good. Right. It's, it's, you're going to pounce it easily, and so if, like, for first-time players, yeah, great, they feel good. For people who have played before, or veterans or stuff, they're going, like, there's not going to be like that sense of fulfillment when you fight something because nothing's dangerous. Even like the final boss is like, yeah, it's kind of dangerous because we don't get a short rest, but not really. Yeah. The, uh, I just, I'm looking at, I'm going, I went back and I'm looking at the 3.5 gibbering mouth or special attacks, gibbering, obviously spittle, which carried through most of the time, improved gra- grab, engulf. I love engulf, mm-hmm. except when I'm a player, uh, blood drain and ground manipulation. You don't work your way through. No, they don't have a lot of hit points, but you can get really screwed over (laughs) if you don't do things right. Anyways. um, All right. So, yeah. So, you can piss your rivals off. You, Yeah. I don't want to spend too much longer in Bazozan because we got a lot to cover. Yeah. So, yay. They're in Bazozan. (laughs) Can I I just say something, though? And and I'm I'm, I'm the one that's going to make us drag through this chapter uh, because I find it a little ridiculous. Uh, One of the first encounters in the city after dealing with the chimmering mouthers, is helping two people cremate bodies from fallen warriors and civilians. Uh, so maybe uh, one of those fire spells comes in? Except don't, they don't really burn but anything. Like, like, no, like, so you're literally helping picking up the bodies, mm-hmm. tossing it into a crematorium, and just, like, how is... I don't know. It's for the murder hobos. They can feel good about not I mean, killing the gibbering mouthers. You have to spend hours helping them, and it's... I mean, this is kind of gruesome. It's... It might hit a little too close to home for some people. Piles of dead especially bodies. Especially people who like hate the idea of cremation or anything like that. No, no, but, that's, like, that's how I'm going. But you have to do this encounter because you need yeah, you some of the lore drop. Move, yeah, forward. I don't know. I'm getting cremated. Forget that. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, yeah, like we, we cycle through Bazozan, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is not a playthrough type thing. Um, and so you have to go into a temple where you can um, hopefully find a little bit more information about the yep. jewel. Uh, once you dive through this uh, this temple, um, I think there are actually demons in here, um, if I remember correctly. And at the bottom, you find like a secret entrance to a place where you can activate your jewel. And now this is a vestige. So in critical role, vestiges are these things that you have to unlock their power as you go along. And there's three stages for this jewel. Uh, there's like the, the sleepy state. Yeah, there's the... dormant, awakened. <laughs> I said sleepy. And yeah, which is a topic for another time, but I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, dormant, awakened, and then it's like blessed or something like that. Yeah. Um, um, and so yeah, like once you get down to the bottom of it, you get your jewel. Uh, uh, not sleepy. What if you don't have the 
jewel because you well you see you still go down there so you can kill the <laughs> the the rivals that have the jewel who are trying to unlock it and you know do this big good thing for the world by releasing elixir <laughs> maybe they're just standing there and they can't do it and finally one of the players is like give me that <laughs> yeah pretty much but so yeah so like you down there uh and you unlock the jewel if you have the jewel mm-hmm. um and so if you have the jewel the time that you unlock it that's when the rivals just pop up and they're yep. like Give me back that duel. Yeah, they it's weird. And they, they have just... some random person with them. The party can then try and convince the rivals to not attack them, but to help them. And <laughs> depending on how they do it, the the person with the rivals drops because this is like a mm-hmm. I don't know, like a hairy I thought we weren't going to spend that much time on this. <laughs> See, this is, this is like the Three Stooges routine where the uh, where that person picks up a clay tablet, drops two more clay tablets on the ground, and then teleports away. And then <laughs> this is how you get teleported to Ankarel because you're just like, cool, I'll just use this person's clay tablets that they dropped on the ground because... Because I'm being railroaded to go to this place. God, like reading that is just like so frustrating like we already had a travel montage why can't we do another travel montage this place? yeah why why does this feel so restrictive and even if you don't use those tablets if you go into town and you talk to a couple of people that you've allied with they're like oh i'll just teleport you to Ankarel. it's the hand wave that you were talking about before it's like yeah. hey we did travel hand wave i mean <laughs> there's a good way of hand waving travel and then there's just Three Stooges dropping two teleportation tablets on the ground and being like, whoopsie loo, I'm so clumsy. I just was like, yeah, whatever. I just kept reading. Um, all right. So you yeah. eventually, no matter what you try to do, get teleported somewhere. Yep. Yep. I mean, you could try and avoid it, but then that's the end of the inventory, basically, until right. you arrive in Ankara. Well, I and I only have two things to say about this, so I'll let you talk. No, go for it. Well, my first thing is the picture the opening picture when you op- get into the chapter, if you open the book, it's a page, uh, it's a full page picture um, of this city. This is to me the worst piece of art in the book. I liked the art. The city is, I'm like, what the hell is this? There, there's a city and there's supposed to be buildings that looks like there's little clay obstacles. It's like a maze you got to walk through. Oh, well, I, I don't have a And then what, why are the ships pirate ships? They're not pirate ships. They're just they look like wind ships. ships. They look like pirate ships. They're they're flying through the air. They're flying I don't have ships. a problem with this artwork. Uh, I didn't like most of the artwork in here. Oh, this was the only piece I really had an issue with. Oh, I there's the rest was, okay. several character pieces where I'm like, I feel like you forgot to put detail on them. Eh, because it just looked like you used the paint bucket tool. Mm, well, I can't draw. I mean, the, neither for can shit, I. But I can, and so I judge. <laughs> I appreciated it. I mean, uh, it's like I, I don't mean to be mean to like the artists and stuff, but it's just like. If we use everything some... else is like highly detailed, and yeah. then there's just this one, and like it stands out in a weird way. Well, we're also spoiled because when we do do art, we have some great artists that we can reach out to that are you know smaller, unknown people that mm-hmm. do some amazing things for us. Anyways, yeah. the other thing that I thought was the other thing I really liked about this was the gazetteer. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So this chapter has not just your mm-hmm. your, your jobs to do in the city. But uh, information on the city, which is good because I it would be really hard to run this because I don't even think the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount has that much information on Ankarel. I don't think so either. Actually, it's Wildmount, so I don't think it has any information because that's a separate continent. Yeah, I don't. I could be wrong though. I don't. I don't remember that book. So I yeah, great. Uh, why do they have to call it a gazetteer? I don't like that. But you don't like gazetteer? 
No, there's a word. It's weird. What are you uppity about your words? Mm, yeah, maybe. Uh, so I, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, I put a visitor's guide in. It's actually useful, unlike the one from Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they did a good job with that. I thought it was a. I thought it was an excellent addition to what would have been a really short chapter if they hadn't <laughs> hadn't included it. Yeah, and so in this chapter, you have to join one of three factions, or you get... Or you don't. Well, if you don't, the DM has a lot more work to do, and also you're likely to get in trouble with the city because only a certain faction is allowed to be operating uh, under the... See, I mean, under the eh, city. <laughs> who cares? I, we're there. We're you know. It's like when you play a video game. There's cl- you're supposed to join a clan online game. And you're just like, nope, I'm going my own way. Yeah, you guys can all kill me, but don't care. I'm just gonna I, keep responding. I, uh, when I first got this book, I was flipping through it, and I landed on a page that said Sigil District, and I was like, oh, Sigil? We're going yeah. to Sigil? Nope, we aren't. <laughs> nope. Good, good try, Bad. but nope. Dead. uh but yeah so you have to join three one of three factions or the dm comes up with their own storyline but basically it's just if you whichever faction you pick it's just a way to get you to cal uh kale kale maro uh beneath the city no so i'm not trying explore to explore <laughs> the ruins and then make your way into the nether deep Ta-da. and also the factions are there in case you're like i don't want to go to the nether deep fuck that place that place is awful uh they're the ones that would be like we need you to go into the nether deep uh, yep. Or else you're kicked out of our fancy faction, mm-hmm. and you have to return your fancy hats. Uh, what do you think about uh, the different uh, story tracks? Uh, they're fine. There wasn't really anything that imaginative out of any of the uh, the story tracks for each of the factions. They're just kind of basic. Oh, there's a spy. You got to find the spy. Uh, here's a fetch quest. Go get us an elephant that's been corrupted. I know a lot of people like factions. They think it's kind of neat. Uh, eh. I, it, this. These factions didn't really do that much to me. Like, um, there's, uh, so it's the Cabal Soul mm-hmm. uh, faction. There's the Allegiance of Alluvium or whatever. There's a pronunciation guide in the book. Well, I just have to remember what they're called, uh, which is the issue because I don't remember what they're called. Oh, I don't either. So that's why we bought the book, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why we bought the book. Uh, there's the Allegiance. Oh, and then the other one is Vermilion. Mm-hmm. Um, the quarter of the Vermilion, something, and they are <laughs> see, uh, oh, consortium, something. Who yep. Knows? Like I said, I don't really know. <laughs> they all just kind of blended together in my mind. Not like neither of none, none of the three really stood out to me. I assume a lot of people will be excited for Cabal Soul because mm-hmm. that's the uh, that's from Campaign Two. There was um, Marisha Ray's character was a monk of that faction so i assume a lot of people will be excited for that one and basically that is the best faction because it's the one that wants to get rid of the rudium which is this magical yeah which we didn't really talk about which is kind of important to talk about in the beginning yeah well i mean it doesn't really take into the story until now yeah there's a there's a there's talk about it in the intro but so the nether deep is housing the tortured form of elixir isn't that right, Chris? Yes. <laughs> sure. Uh huh. <laughs> it's housing the tortured form of Elixir. You know, I don't want you to think I'm just talking. No, you. But eh, well, our listeners are used to that. <laughs> so it housed the forms of a tortured Elixir within the Nether Deep, and its pain and grief and emotions uh, create what's known as Rudium. And Rudium is uh, this like Bad red, for you. corrupting material. 
um, kind of somewhat created by the moon Rudius that circles around uh, Exandria and is like, uh, if you're born under the red moon, then you're supposed to be like fated for like awful but great things kind of like voldemort yeah all i can think about is it's just sort of there were two things that popped into my mind when i was reading about it one yeah basically you get infected with nuclear waste and then two and this is going to be an odd uh reference the way they describe it about like infecting your veins and you have the red coursing through you i'm like okay that's neat and i remember seeing that just recent recently on the uh, who is it? I think it's the oh Netflix uh, show Arcane from the League of Legends, where like there's the it's the same kind of thing. There's you know it's always red or black infected. Yeah, well this is green, which I uh, I've oh, seen okay. before, and they you basically Hulk out and get you know superpowers. That's it's what never I picture. A nice lilac that infects. No, it's not like it's not like a pretty shade of you know maybe she like shell green. Yeah, like a a pink. You know, uh, no. <laughs> just imagining pink like infecting you and just like Hulk out. Yeah, it's just like I can't take you seriously. So yeah, yeah. and so like it infects everything that it kind of touches, and there can be bad things for your character if you get infected by it. Like you get like a new flaw or something that you play up. Yep. Um. I mean, yay! Let's yeah. let's keep going to get into the exciting parts because yeah, we're finally yes. down. Soul wants to destroy it. The other two factions interested we're, in selling it. We're so getting so close to. Uh, yeah. So you join a faction, or you don't, who knows, and as you, Cobalt Soul, soul I keep saying Cabal Cobalt Soul, like the system. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you get down into the Drowned City, which the map kind of confused. Mm, hey, let me take a look. I haven't, I don't remember uh, it. And I'll, I'll throw this map up in the show notes. It's on page 125. Okay. And so what's actually kind of interesting, I, I, I didn't kind of enjoy, kind of didn't enjoy um, but there is, uh, instead of forcing you to swim around in the forbidden, uh, the, the hidden city, uh, they have like these walls of force that keep all the water out, but like living organisms can pass through the walls, um, without any problems. Yep. And they put this up here because the entire city is flooded. And so you have very specific paths that you can take through the city mm-hmm. that have been like explored. And then once you get out of the explored zone, you then have to deal with the dangers of the city. Abolith, there's all sorts of horrific sea monsters. Um, but as I was reading how these magic fields work, I just imagined <clears throat> the place must stink. Because there must be thousands <laughs> of dead fish that just swam through the wall, plopped onto the ground, or just like dying there. Uh, well, yeah, I guess so. That's yeah. Or, I just I just picture them like floating through and just like shooting through and landing on the other side. Well, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you something else that popped in my mind is so if you're like swimming around and then you walk through it, since it stops all water, does it just like instantly dry you out? And if you leave your mouth, like if you keep your mouth open while you walk through it, are you gonna get dry mouth? Wow, you went in a <laughs> way you you. You went to strange places that I did not go when I read And also, this. if you had like a wineskin or anything like that on you, is like the wineskin also in out of the oh, Boy. How does that work with all the water in your body? I don't. You really <laughs> went down a weird path with this. So glad to see that was your well, focal also, point. Well, I this would be a great way to shower because you could just like wash your hair and then you like walk through and then you just have nice dry hair. Yeah. I, you know, it. My thing was the uncharted waters. I was just like, okay, so this is another way to push you back into the main adventure because you go off, you're going to get screwed. And then, I mean, it's better than having them. Okay, so you decided to go here. Let's see, you went how many squares? It's flat. You just fell off the end of the thing and you're plummeting into the abyss. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. Cool. Well, and you, you, 
I'm also confused by this map because in like the first area you go to, there's like these walls of force. So there's like no walls between you and what you're looking at. As far as I can tell, I could be wrong. But if you look to your left, about 80 feet, there is this massive red spike shooting out of the ground. And I was looking through all the flavor text throughout the entire thing. Is like, is no one going to address what this looks like? Nope. Is no one going to like, do, do my players not see this yet? Because it's only 80 feet away. It's not that pretty far away. Well, don't they have something in here about the uh, how far you can see? They do. Yeah, and, and yeah. But you can see that far. Or if you the water's, take 10 steps eh. through the water, you'll see it. No, it's murky water. So you, I think you are limited to, what, 20 feet? But, the, yeah, like there's, there's this massive uh, thing that's Gaping like Gaping maw in the middle of across, it. <laughs> and it's just like these red spikes shooting up with like the portal to the nether deep there. And it's just like... How come this isn't in any of the flavor tags? Well, you know, it's it, they're so focused, they're just looking forward the entire time. Yep. So yeah, so uh, I mean, Chris, what do we do in this? And don't this chapter? no, okay. you you have to get to the maw in yeah. the middle. I mean, that that's pretty much it. Yeah, I it's mean, kind of a circular route to get there that they think you're going to take. Yeah, I know. It's just like, uh, no. How about I just go directly towards it? Oh wait, but you can't see it. There you go. Yeah. That's why you have to go the the. The longest way possible to get there. I yeah, maybe it's underground and I just missed it, but yeah, it's it, it's it, weird. Yeah, it's kind of and like what kind of portal to a new place doesn't glow some sort of color, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it there's got to be. You're yeah, like, if you're hmm, a portal, what's that red legally light? Yeah, required. To glow. <laughs> you're like, hmm, what's that glowing red light that's coming from the middle of the map? Uh, I liked swimming. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it adds a piece that is a point of difference for the yeah. adventure uh it i can't remember i should i should have taken notes is this where they put in the issue with pressure i uh, know that's once you get into the nether deep. nether deep gotcha which i'm sure you'll touch the on nether region. i liked it i i it's horrible but yeah. I just picture you getting yeah. crushed. Yeah, and so you're actually supposed to do like several faction jobs down here until mm-hmm. you finally get to the the crack to the Nether Deep. Yep. And the reason you do that is because you want Iridium weapons or armor, which allow you to journey into the Nether Deep without being uh, without taking what is like 25 d6 worth of damage every minute from like the crushing pressure and weight of uh responsibility that your family hoists upon you i mean the crushing water pressure the crushing water pressure oh yeah that's true yeah that uh, that's the nether bait it's it's yeah. crushing you with water so and not responsibilities that you have the thing about the, <sighs> the biggest thing i have yeah that's that's a horrible way to die <clears throat> excuse me the thing i have uh, why is this here the nether deep yeah no 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 no. It sounds cool the drowned city uh because you need a way to get to the drown uh to the nether deep that couldn't be in the city? Well, you want it hidden, and you need more water. There's a rift in the middle of the city that is releasing demons. There could, Not that many that demons. could take a gibbering mouth. No, no, that's Balzozan. I know. This is a different city. Yeah, but you just, you just skip all this bullshit and use that well, to get here. Well, because Ankaret. On Corel, it was in campaign one. Everyone's excited. They want to come here. That's why. And that's why it's Critical Role. I know, but I don't know. It just. I mean, I I think one of the things about Critical Role is their adventures always takes them to different places. They're never in like one city for a very long time. True. Each adventure arc is like a different area. Can now, and here's the other thing. So you're going through. Granted, the the things you got to do aren't that hard. Yeah. 
Okay. Easy encounters. Yeah. Why? Secret uh, doors. I would always assume that, you know, okay, hey, we just, we're, we need some stuff because we didn't think about it when we came down here. Can we go back and buy stuff in the city above us? Yeah. I mean, it, it assumes that your players are like constantly going back and forth right. from the city down here. That's bullshit. <laughs> Which is, well, I mean, some people don't like the idea of, like, long resting while you're in a, like, doing, like, a dungeon dive until you have to. And then other people are like, well, we did one encounter, so let's go back up, take a take a rest so I can get all my spells back. It's like, I guess it's, it, to me, it's sort of like the same thing that you were saying about the the travel when you're riding a car- your caravanning. I'm just going to call it caravanning. Uh, there's no, yep. One one encounter, back up, hang out. There should be a time. They should have to get there within a certain amount of time. Otherwise, you can just drag this out forever. Right. Now, granted, you're just going to be like, great, okay, you're back. Yeah. You take a long rest, you go back. And, yeah, but again, it's like, there's no time limit on this. In yeah. fact, like in between each faction job, it's like it's supposed to be like a week of downtime. And so you do like what amounts to like an hour of work, even at the table, where you have like one combat and that's it. And then you have to wait a week until you get your next job from the faction. And so, yeah, you're spending, like, months here. Yeah. And it's just, like, this, like, there's no pressure here. Mm-mm. There's no, t- well, beyond the crushing pressure of the water. But, like, there's no other reason for you to be like, yeah, we should really get this uh, this guy's suffering done with. See, <laughs> and to me, that opens up a can of worms where, okay, so, yeah, all right, we're down here. Fantastic. We're going to head back up and hang out and then come back down. You're opening up the possibility for the, you know, when I know you say this a lot, for the DM to have to do a lot of work because they're up there, they're killing time. They're going to, especially, you know, people that like critical role, they're going to want to do shit. Yeah, they're going to want to kill the uh, the the ruler of this city because it's like an ancient copper dragon or something. Yeah, and they're going to be like, give me more detail. Well, we have a week. Can I wander around uh, and see what else is going on? It's just like... No, I want. No, I'm gonna finish up this adventure. Yeah, it's like no, you can't. Uh, you get kid- kidnapped by a rival faction, and then they let you go, and you go back. No, it just it seemed. It's just I wish they had to. Either yeah. one of two things. Well, skip this t- whole thing, or there's got to be a time limit before they get yeah. down there. And by the time you get into the Nether Deep, the jewel should have reached its third form. Right, right. Yeah, as you go through the Nether Deep, you find memories of Elixian's past. You get a deeper understanding of who he was and what sacrifices he had to make, um, how selfless he was, all that type of stuff. And so, like, it's definitely building up, like, this tragic hero the entire mm-hmm. time. Um, and then so once you make your way through the nether deep. Let me ask you a question. Were you excited that there was a, an abolith? Uh, you like those creatures. They're hideous. Uh, the abolith doesn't really. No, it's, it's it not doesn't. a very interesting use of an abolith. It's not. But The abolith is just like, I'm actually Elixion. I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. <laughs> and that that that's like the entire abolith job where I prefer my abolith to be like, you know, like corrupting people um people go missing like having these plots and things instead of just i'm just a roadblock yeah okay i see that i just figured i'd ask you crawl through the nether deep digging into alexian's memories until well you have to collect fragments of (laughs) fragments of like sadness which uh, give you a power and also a flaw. So it's kind of like if you've ever played Tomb of Annihilation, you can find like the trickster spirits who infect you and you get a uh, technically stronger abilities than what the fragments give you and a flaw. 
a weaker flaw, actually. It's like getting a cursed weapon. Yeah. I, I was wondering if it was going to be the, the same thing as Tomb Annihilation, but it wasn't, so that's cool. Work your way through the nether deep, fighting awful creatures, and then, like, there is at the... As you get to the the final area, the heart of despair, you have to fight your rivals one last time. And this is either, like, a fight to the death, if they're indifferent or hostile towards you, or just a no, you can't be the heroes. We're gonna we're be the gonna heroes. be the and, heroes. And like, like the way yeah. they write it is just like they've been corrupted by a you know like it's just. But it's also just like why is your first response when you're friendly with us to just want to murder us? They don't want to murder you. They just yeah, you know knock they want you unconscious you. and let the awful creatures of the Nether Deep eat you. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. They they, uh, they you got to have some you got to there's well, got to be an end like, story with them. There are like throughout the Nether Deep, uh there's like a section that's like, yeah, you should really start trying to uh get them ready to kill their rivals. I know. It's and a- it's like so what the Nether Deep's going to do is kind of make the players angry at their rivals. Like maybe the rivals will tell them that one area there's a treasure that they couldn't get to when in fact when the party goes there instead of a treasure there's going to be a massive monster. But the rivals didn't lie to them. It's just the Nether Deep that wants the players to kill the rivals yeah it's like you went from chapter one where they're like you did a great job on that to we're gonna murder you kill your friends yeah i i don't know every time you know it's just bizarre it's like okay rivals appear and then nothing 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 rivals appear i mean every time i was reading this i kept then we get to the rivals all i could think of again another strange reference did you ever see the movie little (laughs) nicky That's the, I think that's the movie. There's one of them. It's one of the Adam Sandler movies in it, like where, oh no, it's not. It's, uh, I think it's Mr. It's Mr. Deeds, okay. where he, you know, he's just like in the middle of the room and then all of a sudden like he'll turn and John Turturro's there as the butler going, hello, and it scares the shit out of him every time. And he's just like, how the hell are you doing this? Like, they just pop up out of thin air. They're just like, mm. all of a sudden you're like, do, 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 where the hell did you guys come from? So that was my, that, that. I don't have a problem. I'm excited that you're finally like, yes, we have to fight the rivals. They've been bugging the shit out of me this entire time. I finally get to kill them. and We're going to slaughter you. Okay, so I like that part. They just, I don't know. I didn't like the flow of it, I guess. So once you uh, get through your rivals, Mm -hmm. leaving their corpses behind to be eaten by the nether deep inhabitants, then make your way into what's known as the Heart of Despair, which is a massive, like, underground lake thing with, like, islands. Three islands, and then there's, like, a statue at the center of it. Such um, a weird it map. It is a weird map. And this is where you fight a three-stage boss. So, like, the idea is, like, you you can spend time looking at the other islands, seeing what's there. And then, once you're ready to fight Elixir, you can destroy his statue. Which... I mean, honestly, if you're destroying a statue of me, I'm going to like be a little angry about it. So I understand why he goes out there and tries to kill them. Yeah. It's, hey, look at the pretty but, statue. Well, before the over. fight, you can decide if... And this is this is kind of a weird way of, of, of in, introducing this into like, D&D. Like, this, I don't feel like D&D is the right system for this. But your players can decide... To go ahead and release Elixir. Tell him, you know, mm-hmm. you've suffered enough. You're free to go out into the world. Which seems like the right thing to do. Uh, but if it's you do, <laughs> he's still corrupted. So he just goes out into the world and starts destroying everything. Yep. End of game. Congratulations. Yep. If you, like, say no and you're, like, trying to talk to him, all that stuff. He turns into a massive slug thing that tries to eat you. 
you then have to destroy this form, you know, reducing his hit points down to zero. He then transforms into basically like a stoic angel, which you then have to fight, uh, reducing it to zero hit points. And then he turns into an old fighter, which you then have to fight, reduces the hit points, kill him, all that stuff. Except if your players spend a full action talking to Elixian during a fight, which is not something that they're going to be using, and try and make like charisma checks to try and tell him, like, this isn't your fault. You're taking all of his raw trauma and like trying to play therapist in the middle of a combat. You, if you succeed on your checks, then you deal damage to his form and like you slowly start uncorrupting him. Makes sense. I mean, you just slaughtered a bunch of, like, rivals, so the, uh, you've had a change of heart, and you're going to be like... It's not your fault the rivals Yeah, said. it's sort I of know. like, we feel bad now. We uh, can help. But the only way to... So, you have to do that for his first two forms, and then his third form, if you do that, he is no longer Elixian the Dispossessed. Instead, he is, like, Elixian the Deemed, or... Yeah, mm-hmm. Elixian Redeemed. And the absolved is him. And he just turns into like this old hermit man. Um, And it's just like you, you, your fight with him was more helping him work through his trauma, which is not, (laughs) I can't imagine there's been other D and D adventures that have done something like that, but it's also like that. There isn't a way in the book where it tells you how to explain that to your players that they should try using their words and attempt charisma checks. <laughs> like and it, and so it's on the words. game master to be like, hey guys, I really think you guys, uh, you know, instead of casting like that hay spell you wanted, how about you just spend an action talking to them? And it's like, I think that's a trap. You're trying to trap me. Yeah, no, I, like I said, in our, in the campaign we're running now, I tried that and then someone else died and I got in a lot of trouble for you it. You didn't roll high enough, Chris. They were just like, why are you not trying to kill it? And I was like, because I'm trying something different instead and I'm you know, sorry you died. Weirdly enough, so, the Sahagan Baron doesn't, doesn't, doesn't want doesn't to be it redeemed. It worked for one round. <laughs> that's fair. It didn't attack you. And I think that's what you should focus on. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, that was my secondary uh, motivation behind it. So, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely a weird way. And also, I think, like, this entire story, like, it requires a lot of the game master having to talk with the table, like, out of game and be, like, for, like, the best possible ending, like, the game master has to either, like, hint so hard that they're basically just telling them what's supposed to happen in the book mm-hmm. or they're just not going to have a good ending to the story like it's going to be neutral like we killed elixir we didn't actually ever redeem him right. from the and it's like that's fine mm-hmm. i guess but like if you want the best possible ending like you have to be nice well it's more like you have to remove how D works D is a combat game and so huh. to get the best ending you have to stop playing a combat game yeah because that's this goes back to what i keep saying they've they're moving away from combat even though like you said it's a combat game they want people around the table to talk to be involved in a story that doesn't require you to murder things. Except for even, your rivals. Even, yes. Even though <laughs> they're trying to murder well, like, you. It, Plus, it goes, it fits into the, it fits into well, the, like, from what I've yeah, read, well, that's what like Critical Role is. Well, like redeeming someone from trauma. That's not really what the game system sells it. Like, that's not even close to what the game system sells it for. That's something that'd be better, like, delved into with like something like monster hearts but that's what the that's what they're trying to transition the game into yeah and i think that when we get sixth edition or whatever the hell gonna they're gonna call it maybe we'll actually we're gonna see rules for social encounters yes we're gonna see a a a 
a shift from combat to you know an interactive what? story. I can't wait to repeat uh, what you just said back to you when it comes out. And it's just more combat. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you just be like, well, I tried. I like killing things. No, don't get me wrong. I don't like the fact that they're moving in this direction. Well, I don't have a problem if that's I... the direction they want to move to. Unfortunately, their game system does not support that. Nope. It's you make a charisma check. And wow, that's exciting. That's mm. actually not that interesting to nope. just roll a single die and that and that's either you you succeeded or you didn't. And that's the only thing that happens with that single skill check. And well, like, that's not an interesting way of doing a social encounter. Right, but that and that's going to be I my thought is going to be one of two things. They're either going to just ignore it, which that's what they probably will, social encounters, or they're going to play heavier on the fact, which is wrong. They're going to be like, okay, so describe to me how you like what you're going to do, what you're going to say, so on and so forth when you make that charisma check. And then the DM is going to decide and give you maybe advantage or maybe some sort of bonus. And my issue with that is, great, that's wonderful for those kind of checks, but you can't be like to a player, okay, make a strength check or, or How do you do it? acrobatics check. <laughs> it's like, okay, so acrobatics check. I've got an obstacle course set up in the backyard. Let me see if you can do this. That's not how it works. So I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, anyways, so, so yeah. Yeah, there, there, there's three different issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> endings. There's the bad ending where if you die to Elixir or you set him free before you address his trauma then he just starts fucking up the world. All I can think of when that happens is, you ever see Cabin in the Woods? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> That's what I, I think love Cabin of. in the Woods. It's sort of like, I wish there was a scene where they just released all the monsters first and killed everybody. It's just sort of like the giant thing just erupts from the earth and you're at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, fuck, everybody dies because they screwed up. That's what I fi- pic- picture this as. Uh, there's the neutral ending where you kill yeah. Alexian, uh instead of dealing with his trauma, which, understandable. Yeah. He has a lot of baggage. Yeah, he does. In which case, nothing really changes. The iridium like disappears, uh, and uh, that's yeah. Good. It's in in you're charging what a uh, hundred gold pieces an hour for this therapy. I think that's fair. Uh, and then the best ending is you help Elixian get through his trauma. He becomes an old man, and he gets to live out the rest of his days walking the world, going on. <laughs> His own going on a roundabout. Yeah, going on a roundabout. Uh, so now he gets to enjoy we'll his walk vacation. Walkabout. Walkabout. And uh, yeah, so if your rivals are still alive somehow, um, nah. then they're, they're, you know, like there's nine different paths that they can take based off of if they're friendly, hostile, indifferent, and if Elixian was released, died, or was absolved of his trauma. They just die along with the rest of the world. So. So that that that's like the end of the adventure. And I do like the you know, like it offers so many different endings that could happen. Uh I, the the thing that I'm making a lot of movie references today, but when I was reading like the stages when you go through like Elixir and the Tormented, then he's callous, and you have all these different emotional states. I'm like, great. So they ripped off Inside Out. <laughs> you know, where they, they just got the emotion in, in, in its head. It's like, he's angry, and then he, he could be sad. And then it's like, okay, so each one of the emotions peers out, and I just want one of those little characters to pop out. That's the adventure. So I guess now let's just kind of talk about our, um, you know, favorites, least favorites. If we recommend this adventure, um, anything that stood out to you that you want to talk about? Like, I didn't like any of the battle maps because they all kind of. Ugh. I want to look up one thing. 
Horizon Back Tortoise. Oh yes, yeah. that was that's the... terror. That's worse than a dragon turtle, and you know how I feel uh, about that. That was uh, first debuted in the Wild Mount. Hor- horrifying. I do like the fact that a family of goblins lives <laughs> on the back of them, but no, you're gonna put that in there just to like. Uh, all of my characters have a phobia of dragon turtles, and I don't I know why. Chris has a phobia. I, of I, I don't know. I I do know why. Story for another time. Uh, it involves me, young rowboat snapping turtle man I, I i think it's well founded but i do like the fact that there's like a family of goblins living in the back of it i don't like the picture because i'm like it brings back bad childhood memories anyways so go ahead and kick us off likes okay. dislike well i'll let you know um we'll give it I was a ranking just thinking about this on the drive over here to to record this you always hear like rpg horror stories about how a dm has a single dmpc that is like their character that like drives the plot forward is like the superman and this adventure you get five of them yeah but they all don't no but not superman that kind of like i was like looking around and i've already seen people talking about how they're remaking all of the rivals as um as like actual characters like they're building them as if mm-hmm. you would build a dm yeah there's Diana. levels to the characters yeah, yeah. i mean and so and that way they can make them like quote unquote real characters and that way the dm can play them as actual characters instead of just monster stat blocks and it's just like i feel like you're now like there's going to be a lot of people who see oh i have a group of five rivals and i'm remaking them as character sheets like you're no longer making the table the main character. Instead, there's going to be this real problem of DMs making the main characters the rivals because they're the characters they've made. And that's what I, you know, that is a piece of this that I've heard a lot of people talk about, where it's just like you're the secondary part of the story. Eh, I don't know. I they, well, your rivals is because uh, outside of. The ten percent of DMs you're included, where they like just DMing, and they like that's they'd rather do that than play. All you do is hear people bitch about, oh, I got a DM again. Oh, why can't we find a DM? So this is the solution to that. I'd be like, great. So you got a DM. We feel bad for you. You have now five of your own characters that you get to play and torture the other party with. So you are still the center of attention. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like the rival thing is is interesting, but I feel like it's going like it's a good like it. It can be prone to abuse if DMs go into this with the wrong idea. And also, I think with the rivals being on the front cover of the book, it sends the wrong message to the players. Either that they are the villains of the story and need to be defeated or that they're the main character of the story and that the play like the table is just there to help them accomplish their goals. So it's sort of like when when we're playing and it's just sort of like wait a minute yes you guys are always the bad guys guys. but otherwise like i I think it's a a fine adventure it doesn't excite me um i don't really care for the emotional trauma storyline that comes in at the end because it's not it's not like that wasn't really part of any of the marketing or anything and so this is like the trauma bit is just like it, it that does not interest me to play D with and if i was a player and i didn't know anything about this and then all of a sudden I have to redeem this person as his therapist. It's like, well, I'm coming in here to escape, you know, feeling bad about things or think, uh, or having these type of emotions. I don't really want to be someone else's therapist in here. The whole point at the end of an adventure is to find the big yeah, bad so guy. You kill feel him. good instead of this is like, well, I killed him, but now I feel even worse than I did before. Thanks a lot, DM. <laughs> and I mean, like, there, there's definitely like groups that would love that. They're, they're like, oh. Uh, he like this is like such like a deep big bad evil guy like he has so many nuances and it's like uh, uh, i blame your generation we're more in touch with our feelings i guess 
except for me, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't it, know. It, it's not exactly a story that I'm excited to run, and I don't see myself really ever picking up this book again. Okay, but what what about you, Chris? The first thing that popped into my head when and I'll touch on rivals. It seemed like they took the uh, now I can't think of the word. I was just just thinking about it. Um, the companion, like the companions, what were they called? That they just added sidekicks. Uh, sidekicks. It's like they took sidekicks and were just like, oh, we've heard that five people actually like sidekicks, so we're gonna take it to the next level. It just felt like a progression of sidekicks that you know the DM, like you said, the DM gets to play characters. You know, I've heard a lot about they seem like the focal part of the story. Eh, you know, they just appear so strangely all the time. I just feel like they're just another set of, they are an encounter of, to me, it's just always struck me like, they're an encounter. They're a monster encounter where they just, you run into them and they run away. <laughs> and then They're very violent for some reason. They keep wanting to like, not necessarily kill you, but knock yeah. you unconscious every time they're they see you. They're just an ongoing encounter where, you know, that they, they doesn't happen in D&D a lot where it's like, they get to escape. And then they, they don't believe in using words to solve. Yeah, their, I know, which is uh, weird. Solve their fights. They just go straight to casting spells and murdering people. My biggest not issue, but my the thing that I kept thinking when I was reading this, and it sort of contradicts how what they kind of want to do. Where to your point, it's weird. There's a lot. There's a lot of interaction, and then the end is odd. Yeah. But I get it. Because the whole game, because you're so narrow focused, yeah, you can go off and do little side quest kind of things. There's little it bits and pieces that you can do, but realistically, there is a one game path you're supposed to be following. It felt like a video game. It really did. And then when I got to the end and they had three different options, all I could think about was Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect, I mean, video games a lot of times will be you have different options, or like Witcher, where you get to have these different. You know, you get to choose different things, and as you choose them, it changes how the ending is. I mean, it really does. And you, then you're like, "Well, damn it! Now I got to run through the whole thing again and and choose something different." It, it it just felt like a video game. It felt that that's kind of I was running. I felt like I was either running Mass Effect or Witcher by the time I got to the end of it. It's like, oh, okay, I've done all this stuff made it to the end, and I can choose one of three endings. And if I choose wrong, which I'm probably going to because I'm going to kill him, I just wasted all my time because I fucked up the ending. Unless, of course, I like raining down destruction upon the world, and I have no issue with that. And it's only a year, right? I mean, it only happens for a year. And I love how they tie it in where it's sort of like if one of the if you don't get the good ending, then they're like, and... This could be a way for you to continue with these characters for to level twenty and by creating your own adventures. It's like, thanks. Now I get to do more work. Seven more levels of work because now these characters these players have fallen in love with these characters. They're their own, you know, season one characters from Critical Role. That's how they've seen them. So they want to go to twenty. And the DMs are just like, fuck. Do I have a problem with it? No, I don't. I just that's all I could think of where it was, how the how it was structured. It is what it is. Uh, if you like that, and a lot of people do. I mean, I I played both those games. Cool. It just always frustrated me at the end where I never picked the right thing, and the ending was so it was 
it was such a letdown. Yeah, it's like, where was my save point again? Can I go back to, like, my second save point in the back? I, it was just such a letdown, Yeah, you know? And, well, it's and, also not like you can replay this right, adventure right. again and go for the good ending where it's like, yeah, we. Uh, it took us a year to get to this point. I don't think I can convince another four people to play this game for it. And that's a, there's the the other thing I was thinking of. This I've never thought of a of a typical and I didn't realize this. A typical table's four people. This has five characters. Okay, but that never struck me because I've always thought of a typical table well, as five people. Interestingly, um, it actually specifies this adventure is designed for five right players and a DM. And so if you have less than that, you're supposed to take away one of the. Uh, one of the rivals, or if you have more than that, you're supposed to add twin. on. Rivals. And they suggest a twin. Yeah. I'm like, one of them has great. a twin. That way you don't have to find artwork for them. I know. It, <laughs> They're just mirror copies. I guess to me that always, I always pictured a party being, I've always played with a, tried to play with a party of five players. And for this, it that felt weird to a lot of people because it was like, oh, it's that's different than a party of four. And I'm like, really? So that was the only other thing. I, well, like every I, other adventure says, this is designed for, for a party of, of four to four. six. Right. So I don't know. It was fine to me. Uh, didn't didn't rock my world, uh, but I don't know. So if you scale of one to five, I guess that's how we rate things. What would you give on uh, a scale of one to five? See, the issue that I'm facing is I have no interest in playing or running this, but I know other people would love this. And so if I, you know, like if I said like two, like that, I feel like that's doing a disservice to people who would be excited by this. I, this is your I, opinion. I feel like I have to like, I have to say three for me. Just, I mean, it is a v- adventure. It is written. Um, there's a couple of, I, I, there, I mean, there's always going to be a couple of spelling or grammar issues throughout. Um, it is, you know, there's a lot of nice artwork. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's battle maps. I wouldn't say that they're great. Um, and there's 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 a lot of resources in there for the dm so yes you can run this adventure so you get several points for that i I would call it yeah three out of five for me okay i can see that yeah i feel like if i watch critical role on any level and this doesn't motivate me to do that yeah yeah um, there there wasn't anything in here that may motivate me to want to watch critical role but i feel like if i knew more like if i was like to your point if if I had done that, if I had, if I was a critter, then I'd be excited for it, and I'd be probably a four point five. For me, it's gonna be a three point five, just because. Yeah, I feel like they put more effort into this on the things I like: lore, um, fleshing out a little more detail. Don't like the whole railroading issue. I, I like. It would have been nice if they included more. like here's some ideas that could happen if they decide to go off them. The I well the rivals. I don't. I've heard a lot of negative about it. I don't feel. I feel kind of neutral about them. Yeah, but yeah, I, I will I be. I will say I was impressed that they took the time to be like, hey, we're gonna level these characters up. I mean, there's three different stat blocks in there for characters, so they level up. I'm like, well, that's actually thinking it through and not just like you always love to do, put in the onus on the DM and just be like, all right, so you need to level them up in a progression. No, they provide that guideline for you. So I, I like the I like the fact that they put the effort into it. And honestly, I'll chalk that up to probably Mercer if I had to. It's his world. You can tell, I think his passion for the world and his love for something he created comes through in some way in this book. I envision him going back and just being like, hey, you know what? This isn't going to work. 
Can we change it? And having a direct influence on it. And I respect that. So 3.5, you know, I feel like if I knew more about Critical Role, I'd probably be more. So for my 6.5 out of 10, uh, I mean, I guess, I, yeah, if you have no idea about Critical Role and you're like, ah, I need an adventure to run. Should I pick this up or something else? I'd pick up the other thing. Unless you're really excited to run trauma at your table. <laughs> it feels like there should be a feels like there should be like a disclaimer. I mean, they have all these different like disclaimers now in adventures. It's like if people are having emotional trauma at, at your table. Does, at the beginning it does talk about like, you know, like oh, talk true. to your players about what like oh, any true. trigger type stuff. If you're excited by critical role though, and you're just like, I just want to do any adventure in critical lowland. Yeah, the, the, this will be fun for you. But otherwise, it, it yeah, it's it's interesting what they were doing. I see what they were trying to do. Uh, but it, I don't know, kind of felt. I, I appreciated some of the things they added in there. You know, yeah. traveling. I mean, the the most I'm going to use from this because I'm I don't like any of the magic items in here. The most I'm going to use from here are a couple of new monsters. All right. So yeah. So there it is. Uh, the call of the oh. Critical role call of the Nether Deep. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else that you need to talk about today? No. Stephen? No. Uh, next. Next time we talk, uh, there isn't any new releases, so we'll, we'll figure something out and talk about. Maybe we'll be talking about that new uh, skirmish game that's coming out by Whiskey. Yeah, that could be cool. That could definitely be cool. All right. We'll figure it out. We'll find out something to ramble on for a while. So, Stephen, say goodbye.